invite you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 2. I'll begin reading at verse 14 to the end of the chapter. Continue our sermon series through the letter of James. Using a pew Bible that can be found on page 1200. Let us now hear God's word. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's ask his blessing in a time of prayer. O Father in heaven, we ask for your wisdom and your spirit to be poured out upon us as we hear your word proclaimed. May you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is teaching the church of Jesus Christ. Help us, O Lord, to trust in this word and to believe it with all of our hearts and to walk in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in his new book, Letter to the American Church, Eric Metaxas, writes a chapter on two errors of faith. That's the title of the chapter, Two Errors of Faith. The book is about the American church today to be warned. It's a warning to the church not to end up like the church during World War II and how the German church responded to Nazi Germany. And so he warns the American church in this book. And in one of the chapters... It's entitled, Two Errors of Faith. Two Errors of Faith. He writes this, Theological and other errors often arise in reaction to a previous error. In other words, by reacting so strongly to one error, we may actually go too far in the right direction and find ourselves in the opposite 
error. In other words, he uses the example, let's say you're driving the car, you're in the center of the lane, you're between the lines, you're driving, and all of a sudden you start swerving to the right, unbeknownst to you. But then all of a sudden it clicks, you're off to the right, and then what do you do? You jerk the wheel the other way. You cross the center line, or the center of the road between the two lines, and you go the opposite direction. So you start swerving to the right, then you jerk the wheel all the way to the left, and you're on the left side of the road now. That's a danger. A dangerous error that we can make when it comes to theology. When we come to understand other biblical truths. On the one extreme, there's faith alone. Faith alone. We believe that by faith alone, in Christ alone, we're saved. Not by works of the law. But sometimes the church can go to the opposite extreme and say faith alone at the expense of doing good works to the glory of God. To the point where a church becomes cold and doesn't love their neighbor. But then you realize then you swerve the opposite way and you go the opposite side of the road and what's the opposite error? Well, we need to do good works. And then all of a sudden, good works supplants faith. And it just becomes a church that engages in a moralism. Apart from faith. James addresses this, and the Apostle Paul addresses this. And today, it's my hope that these two opposites will be dealt with biblically, and that we look to the truth. This morning we come to James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, and this evening we're going to look at Paul's writings in Galatians, when he too talks about being justified by faith and not by works of the law. So I hope that you can be with us this evening. This morning we come to James 2 and the theme, faith without works is dead. Let's deal with one opposite one error. And we do so this morning. First, we're going to look at dead faith produces dead works. First point, verses 14 to 17. If you have your Bibles open, look at this, the text of Scripture with me. Dead faith produces dead works. What good is it, my brothers? What profit? What profit is it, my brothers? And sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what profit is that? How is that advantageous? What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead because a dead faith produces dead works. James has already said in his letter, in chapter 1, verse 18, if you have your Bible open, chapter 1, verse 18, of his own will, that is of God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. By God's own will, he brought us forth. He caused us to be born again 
to a living hope. So that we have to keep in mind that what James is writing here is in the context of one who's been brought forth by God's own will, by the word of truth. And that one who has been brought forth by the word of truth is a good tree as Jesus teaches. A good tree who produces good fruits. A bad tree produces what? Bad fruits. A dead faith produces dead works. True faith manifests itself in true religion. That is man's practice outwardly and outward worship of God. And this true faith comes from the God who is good. The one who every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Faith is that good gift given to us by God, created in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It manifests itself in good works, but a dead faith produces dead works. James says it's not beneficial or advantageous to a person with an inactive dead faith because it shows that he has, been brought, he has not been brought forth by God. He has not been brought forth by God. And the word of truth. A dead faith can't save a person. These are rhetorical questions. Because there's no evidence that authenticates the person's faith. No works, no faith. Now based on the context here, based on the context, what are these works? The works are works of mercy. Notice the example he gives there. If a brother or sister, that is if a fellow Christian comes into your midst, looking poor and shabby, in need, in need. This is a, a Christian who is in need of help. He's a member of God's household, a child of God. He comes into the church. You see him come in, and he is down and out. He's got nothing. He's perhaps as broke. He has great physical need. And you say to him, be warmed and filled spiritually. Hear the Bible. Come and hear the Bible preached. Come to Bible studies. Meanwhile, his physical needs are not met. Don't you see a contradiction between what you believe to be true from the Bible to how you're practicing it then? There's a disconnect, isn't there? Be warmed and be filled. How about this? We'll pray for you. You have needs, oh, we'll pray for you. Yet you have the means to meet their need. You and I have the means to meet the need and we say, oh, we'll pray for you. Go be warmed and filled spiritually. Well, perhaps there's no need to pray when it's so obvious, right? When something is so obvious, there's a need, you meet it. You and I meet the need because of an active faith. You and I see an obvious need, and you and I have the resources to meet the need, it's a matter of putting feet to faith. 
isn't it? A dead faith produces dead fruit. Once again, James is emphasizing, love thy neighbor. Look with me in the previous passage. Chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. See, what, what James is teaching here is not disconnected from the previous verses, are they? At verse 8, he says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not, murder, or do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so, friend, if a brother and sister comes into your midst and is poorly dressed, down and out, broken hearted, in a painful position in life physically... What kind of mercy will you show that brother or sister? Will you show mercy? Once again, James follows the teaching of Jesus himself. Our master and Lord who says a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And Jesus also teaches what happens in the day of judgment. If you have your Bibles open, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him. Notice that word righteous. Don't, don't go fly past that word. Then the righteous, the righteous one, those who have faith, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, is a right, he is the righteous one, will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he speaks of the lack of mercy that the cursed have upon the people in need. 
those who have dead faith, producing dead fruit because they do not show it by their works. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life, says Jesus. Works of mercy follow an active faith. Works of mercy are the fruit of an active, living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is those who have the active faith that are inheritors of the kingdom. They are characterized as righteous and merciful by Jesus and even by James. Dead works produce, or dead faith produces dead works. And I dare to say that there are churches that are the same, described the same way as what James is talking about here. And the call of Jesus, as we see to the seven letters to the churches in Revelation, repent! Repent. You have lost your first love. And receive God's mercy. Receive His grace. Secondly, apart from works, faith is useless. Verses 18 to 19. At verse 18 he says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now this verse is very important because it helps us with the interpretation of the verses that follow. Very difficult verses that follow, which have stirred up controversies in churches throughout centuries. And the key verb here is show. If you have your own Bible and you like to underline, underline the word show. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Show me, prove to me. Prove to me or exhibit to me your faith apart from your works and I'll show, I'll prove to you my active and living faith by my works. Which person's faith, then, will be proven true or right? This verse, verse 18, is key to understanding the following verses. And what James will then refer to justification or being justified. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Or tremble with fear. Do you want to be known or be shown? Do you want to be shown? This person that he's talking about in verse 18. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, using the language of wisdom genre, wisdom literature? There's a fool, a foolish man and a wise man. The wise man is the one who believes that an act of faith produces good fruit. The foolish man believes that he can just believe that God is one and he's good. He's in. 
But he says, even the demons believe and shudder. You believe that he is one great. And it's like James in a sarcastic tone says, well, even the demons believe that God is one and they tremble. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? James says, in a paraphrase. When we confess, congregation, the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, or we, we, we confess biblical truths that are taught in, let's say, the creeds and confessions of the church, is it just lip service? Or does the truth of those biblical and theological truths impact the way in which you live. For example, when we get to the part in the Apostles' Creed, when I confess that I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that I am forgiven? Oh, most of all, do I believe and practice forgiving others? As I spoke last Sunday evening, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. You confess God is one. You confess the Apostles' Creed, you, for, you confess the Nicene Creed, you confess the Athanasian Creed, you confess and believe the Heidelberg Catechism, the Belgic Confession, the Canons of Dort, you believe the three forms of unity, you believe those things, that they are biblically true and faithful to the biblical text of Scripture, but that you're outliving contrary to belief. James says that faith is useless. It has no value. It has no value. An active and living faith in Lord Jesus Christ is not just an intellectual assent of a confession of faith. So often in the consistory room we have the privilege of hearing the testimony of God's grace in the lives of young people. And it's, it's neat to hear how they say there wasn't a time in their lives when they didn't know Jesus or of Jesus or of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then they say that I made this faith my own. I'm not riding into the kingdom on the curtails or the coattails of my parents. Because God doesn't have any grandchildren, He has children. And they say they make their faith their own. They want to serve Jesus and love Jesus and follow Jesus. It's not just an intellectual ascent, but something that has so moved them to not only profess their faith publicly, but to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to show with their lives that they belong to Jesus.
Listen, friends, God doesn't make us alive in Christ and then lead us into a life of dead works. Remember that. That's why I read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. You have been made alive in Christ. The old nature is gone, dead. The new has come in Christ. We'll come back to that at the end of the sermon. Dead works, or dead faith produces dead works, says James. Apart from works, faith is useless, says James. And now James gives examples of an active living faith. Lastly, examples of an active living faith. And we see this in verses 21 to 26. Two biblical examples of an active faith, Abraham and Rahab, followed by an example from the natural life, the body and soul. Concerning the example of of, uh, Abraham, he writes this, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Friends, to the Jews, to the Israelites, the offering of Isaac on the altar was one of the greatest works of Father Abraham in obedience to his, to his God. In fact, if we look at Genesis chapter 2, we have that accounting where God commanded him. He was, God was testing Abraham, and Abraham was about to slay his son, and God said, stop. Abraham's faith was at work, because when did God, or when does the Bible say, When does the Bible say that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness? It was before Genesis 22. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it was stated there that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and God tested his faith. And Abraham's faith was proven to be active and alive and living His obedience to God's command was the fruit of his faith in the Lord who made a covenant with him. In the previous uh, book of the Bible or letter to the Hebrew Christians, Hebrews chapter 11, if you're taking notes, verses 8 through 10, listen to what the author says. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, their heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then he goes on to say at verse 17 to verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 11, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also him in a figure which he also him in a figurative sense. By faith Abraham did these things, and, and God tested his faith when he told him to offer up Isaac. 
And Abraham passed the test. But look with me in your Bible at verse 21. And here's where the church has struggled in interpretation regarding faith alone or faith plus works. He says, Was not Abraham our father, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Verse 22. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And now, verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. How is this possible? Paul teaches, and we're going to look at this tonight, by works of the law, no man shall be justified. My question is this, when you study a passage and you study words, what do you mean by justified? What does Paul mean by justified? What does James here mean by justified? Paul uses justified in a legal sense, or what's called a forensic sense. That is, it's a legal term which describes a person, a Christian status before God. God, by His grace, counts a sinner righteous, declares a sinner righteous through faith in Christ. That a sinner is considered not guilty. There are no charges counted against him. And a person receives this grace, this justification, by faith and not by works. For by works of the law, no man, no person shall be justified More on this in the evening sermon. But justified also means to prove oneself to be righteous or good or just. To prove oneself or to demonstrate that one is right before another person. That's why I had you underline in verse 18. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Abraham showed before the people of God in his test and before God himself that he was a man of faith and a friend of God. By Abraham's works, he proved or showed to be righteous and a man with active faith. If I'm speaking to a mechanic... And I tell the mechanic, hey, I'm a mechanic. I can change the oil. That's all I got. I can change the oil of a car. And he says to you, or says to me, I have a problem with my car. Why don't you come and help me fix it? Let's see you put some work into your confession that you're a mechanic. I got nothing to show for it. I have nothing to show for it. He says, prove to me that you're a mechanic. Can't. That I have no work. I have nothing to show, nothing to exhibit that I am who I say I am. Another biblical example is Rahab. In the same way, 
says James, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works? Didn't she show herself justified or show herself right by her works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? And in Joshua chapter 2, we have the story of Rahab. She heard about the great works of God. She believed in the Lord, which led to her actions, her works. She had a living faith in Yahweh. And she showed by her faith, or she showed by her works that she had faith. She showed by her works that she had faith. She's also in the faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. She's among the faithful, the, the men and women of faith. Abraham, Rahab, they showed by their works that they had a living and active faith. And James lastly illustrates when the example of the human body and the spirit, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Both must coexist. Demonstrating that it is indeed an act of faith. Because faith without works is a dead, useless faith. Friends, a couple points in closing. We need to be reminded that God works His grace in the hearts of sinners. He's the one that brings us forth, who has brought us forth, past tense, has brought us forth by the word of truth. He creates in us faith. And it is a working faith. If you have true faith in Jesus, that faith is being worked out. You are being sanctified, conformed to the image of Christ, drawing nearer to Christ, walking in a manner worthy of the Christ. But the Christian life is a journey. It's a process. And oftentimes it's two steps forward, one step back. But you're always moving forward in the Christian faith because of God's grace. The Apostle Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Again, if he made you alive in Christ, he's not going to make you walk like the walking dead. But he's going to work in you. Because God who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Secondly, works of mercy. Be careful of the opposite error. Works of mercy without true faith is moralism. To identify this, churches that say, oh, we don't care about doctrine or theology, that doesn't matter. We just care about loving our neighbor. Red flag. Red flag. Because it is doctrine and theology, it is true faith. 
that leads us into right living, works of mercy, Works of mercy without true faith is moralism. And these are works done to the glory of man or self-esteem or to make one feel good about himself. These are not works done to the glory of God. An act of faith, however, produces works of mercy, walks in a manner worthy of God's calling in their lives, in gratitude, in thanksgiving, from a grateful heart. Faith without works is dead because an act of faith works. And an act of faith works righteousness to the glory of God. Faith without works is dead, but an act of faith works righteousness to the glory of God. Let us remember that, friends. Let us remember that. I've used this example before, but I'll use it in closing here. Car batteries provide electricity in order to power the vehicle. If you turn the ignition, you don't have, the battery's dead or there's no battery in the car, you're not going to see any lights go on, you're not going to see anything. It's dead. Without the battery power, your car won't start, your electrical components won't work, and consequently the car is useless, worthless. If you have a dead battery, it will show its uselessness because it doesn't reflect in the electrical components in the car. The electrical components won't work, which indicates something. In this case, a dead battery or no battery. The battery needs to be charged. It needs to be alive. It needs to be working in order to work properly in the vehicle. Listen, friends, God regenerates. He causes to be born again sinners. He awakens the sinner's heart, the dead sinner's heart, and makes them alive in Christ to walk in Christ. This faith powers our works to be done for God's glory. Where are you? What kind of faith do you have? Do you have an active or dead faith? Do you have an active or dead faith? Perhaps you need to do soul searching. And I want to also say this. Can our faith at times feel like a dead faith? Can our faith at times seem inactive and dead? At times, yes. At times, yes. Especially in trials. Especially in heartaches. Especially when we feel despair. But know this, Christian. A person of true faith. A true Christian knows that God is gracious and merciful. God is faithful even though we are faithless. God is faithful to forgive and to cleanse and to draw back the sinner. The sinner who has been inactive in faith. The one who is in a spiritual wilderness. The one who feels like at times he has an inactive faith. And if that is you, that is you, if you are in this desert, if you feel like you have that inactive faith, God is faithful 
to forgive, to have mercy, even when we are faithless. For as the Bible says, he cannot deny himself and his own character. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we pray, Lord, that those who are dead in sin and trespasses, those who are not made alive in Christ, would be made alive in Christ by your Spirit and Word. That you would bring about new birth, true faith in their hearts, and that true faith would bring about, show forth itself in works of mercy, works done to the glory of your name and in gratitude to you, O God. We pray for those who are in a spiritual wilderness, those whose faith seems inactive. Perhaps they are straying from you, O Lord, and from the things of God. Perhaps those who are engrossed in sin. We pray, O Lord, that you would awaken them and draw them back to yourself, that they would, O Lord, cry out to you in repentance, and that they would receive your forgiving love and mercy. O God, we pray that your will be done, and that you, O Lord, would receive the glory. Help us, we pray.